Are we sending any kids out today? What age group? Three to six. Three to six and be dismissed. Woo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what a night. So just let give you a little bit. Big Randall called me. Uh, first of all, we I've been working with him all week. So Wednesday, he I'm, I'm a principal, so I don't get out in the sun much. So Wednesday, he takes him working with him and Cody. If you, I, I'm telling you, if you don't know, your pastor works his butt off. He works hard. He is not afraid of physical labor. He's been in pain most of the week, and we still were having him pick up a bunch of crap uh, just because we were all tired and hot and miserable. And uh, he started getting sick around Thursday. He asked me to preach Thursday. Then he called me Friday. He said, no, I, I'm going to do it. I, I need to do it. I need to preach. And then he waits till last night, 10 o'clock. Actually, it started with me. I sent him a text message, asked him a question about something I was studying. And he goes, hey, by the way, I, I, I really need you to preach. He said, now, if you don't want to, you could, you know, you know that guilt trip. You can turn it down. But I need you to preach. I said, okay. All right. So here we are. Uh, I'm this, uh, for those of you that are visiting, I am Randall Rees, but I'm not, I'm little Randall, okay? <laughs> I, I am little compared to him and what he does and how he serves his church body. And uh, if I was going to ask one thing of us right now, it's for sure, uh, be in prayer for him, be in prayer for his family, be in prayer for Jeremy and Cody. Uh, they're fixing to be doing some stuff that uh, will no doubt bring glory to the Lord. Uh, their family's going to be traveling, they're going to be ministering, they're going to be worshiping, they're going to be leading people, and, uh, you know, according to God's will, I hope they're leading people to salvation. And through that, Big Randall, we know, is being sick, and he's facing struggles, and just this week, I just spent three days with him, working with him, and just over the course of these three days, I see the burden that he carries for this body, the love that he carries for this body. Uh, his neck's hurt, he's, he's struggling, he's struggling with his own studies, he's struggling with his health, and yet his phone rings off the hook all day. He's ministering to people, people that are in need, people that need his prayers, people that need to talk to him. And the whole time he's just feeding, 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 feeding. And one of the questions that Cody asked him, you know, when are you taking the time for you to be fed, you know? Are, are we as a church body praying for him and investing in him as much as he is investing in us? Uh, you know, that's, that is a great responsibility that he takes, and I, I pray that none of us take it for granted, that we continue to pray for him, not just a throw-up generic, Lord, be with our pastors, but that you pray specifically for him, that he hears from God, that he is moved in the direction that this church needs to move, that he hears that what he speaks is clear, what he speaks is truth, and what he speaks is what we need to hear so that we can better serve each other and serve the community that, that we live in. And so I pray that you continue just to be in prayer for him. Uh, I'm going to start this morning, I'm giving Miss Chrissy time to get it up, I'm going to start this morning with a video, uh, for those of you, don't worry, it's not Lady Gaga, okay, so for those of you, <laughs> I was joking with Willie about that, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's something that is, it's old, it's like 14 years old, is the skit guys when they were young, and uh, it's just a little something that I want you to see before I go in, into our message. The whole thing from where you start, where we started it.
you know, when I watch that, you know, of course, skit guys, they always are joking and doing silly stuff, but they always bring it back to a lesson that applies uh, to each one of us. No matter what we do in our lives, we want to be great at it. Uh, growing up, uh, playing baseball, I-, I wanted to be great at it. And because of that, I invested so much time in practicing and watching and doing skill development and playing and traveling and talking and, and living the game of baseball because I wanted to be great. Uh, when I fell in love with fishing at, at an early age, uh, I'll never forget, you know, people don't believe this, but it's what it was. I remember being three, four years old, being in the front yard of my house, and my dad had me flipping a jig in a little cup across the yard. And I would practice, and I would practice, and I would do different things. Seven years old, I was loading our, our Skeeter bass boat. And I was really focused and committed to everything I did because I wanted to be great. And many of us can say there's different things in our lives that we want to be great at, whether it's David shooting rifles, Jeremy and, and them shooting a bow, some of us and some of the things that we do. You want to be great, but yet... We accept the Lord as our Lord and Savior. We become children of God. We are his servants. We say that he is our king. He is the greatest thing that we could ever know. He has given us the greatest gift of salvation, the greatest gift that we could ever have. And yet we don't want to be great for him. And those are the, those are, I struggle when we study that. I struggle with that in my own personal life because I go, how is that I want to be great in so many different things? except in my walk and my obedience and my service to the one I claim is the one and true God on high. Because when you think about that logically, you can just look at it, that doesn't make sense. That we commit so much time in so many different areas of our lives because we want to be great at it, but the most important thing that we have is the one thing that we're okay with just being good. And some of us below good. And so that's the challenge I'm going to have for you as we study up. Turn to 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to be 12 through 26. I'm going to bounce around here in a little bit, but thankfully, uh, Miss Christy will have it on the screen later, so hopefully I don't get lost in all of this. But, you know, when I look at that, and he's talking about good versus great, the question that you have to first ask yourself, are you okay with being good, or do you want to be great for the Lord? Now, I'm not talking about being great to where you're recognized. I'm not talking about some of the craziness that we're seeing on TV. There is a lot of religious leaders right now that have built platforms using the Lord's name, and those platforms are built simply for them to have personal gain, for have personal fame, and to have wealth. And you're seeing the world tear. Satan is tearing them apart right now and making Christianity look very weak because we have put these individuals on a pedestal. We have said, this is what Christianity should look like. Look at these worship leaders. Look at these preachers. Look at this. This, this is Christianity. We put all of our identity in them, and Satan is tearing them apart. And through that, he is tearing the appearance of Christianity down to the rest of this world. We are nothing but hypocritical, selfish, in-it-for-ourselves people. And that's that's what's being portrayed. Because... So many people are wanting to be great for themselves instead of being great for the Lord. You should, like I said, you should desire to be great. 
but great in your service and obedience to God. And so that's what we're going to look at. We're going to start with the body. And we've already seen in the video, our pastor is the, is the gas maker. So you know that you can't be that body part, so you've got plenty of other body parts that you can be. So here we go, verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it, there, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye... Where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? Uh, my sermon this morning, my studies, have all been focused on us as a church body. Those who have been saved, those who have been baptized, and those who have been and grafted into this church body. You are a member. You are a body. You are a member of the body. You serve. You have a role. You have a specific calling. You have something within you that God has placed for you to better serve and to better be used by the kingdom in this church body. It is not just about the pastor. It is not just about the deacons. It is not just about the teachers. We all have a specific role. And I, am, I promise you that, that role is not sitting in the same chair every Sunday for the rest of your life. Anyone that tells you otherwise is just saying that because that's what they're doing and they're comfortable with it and they don't want to do anything else. These are the things that the Lord wants us to understand. He wants us to be great. He wants us to be great for Him because through us being great for Him, we are exalting His name, we are fulfilling His purpose and calling, and we are doing the will of the Father. Okay? These last few weeks, our biggest focus has been discipleship. And discipleship, for, before you can first be a disciple, you first had to be saved. And we've seen a lot of preaching on that. Big Reynolds has been going through that. Jake, in his sermon, talked about when we begin to disciple one another, it first starts with loving one another. You know, you have to, you have to love. You know, I, I don't mean this in a weird way, but, like, I, I, I'm glad and I love the fact that my body parts function, that they work. I, I, I try to be healthy to care for it because if not, things fall apart. And as things fall apart in one area of the body, it's not long before it begins to affect the other parts of the body. I am a type 1 diabetic. My pancreas has a body part in there. It's got a back row Baptist in there that it just wants to sit and do nothing. And because of that, as I get older, other parts of the body are going to suffer because of its disobedience to focus for the whole for the whole body there will be times where I will begin to lose feeling in my extremities there is time that my blood sugar fluctuates up and down I feel terrible my kidneys hurt uh, there's been times in my life where my sugar has gotten so low I thought I was looking death in the face I've seen I've seen all the way low as nine on my blood sugar those of you who may not know that's bad that's it's bad bad but all of that is because one part of the body, refuses to do as it is, was created to do. That same power exists in the body of Christ. You are a local visible body. 
And if you are not functioning as God had intended, it does, whether you think so or not, it does affect how the rest of the body functions for its whole purpose. And so that's what we're, that's what we're going to look at, all right? So, first question. Where are you now? Okay, I want you to think about this. Where are you now? Are you consider yourself good or great in these different aspects? Those of you that are husbands, where do you stand as a husband right now? Are you being are you okay with being good for your marriage or is your desire to be great for your marriage? Do you desire to be great for your wife? Do you desire to serve her in the way that God has called you to serve? To meet her needs in the way that God has called to lead her spiritually, not just physically, not just working and making money. Spiritually, are you leading her as God has called you to do? It's easy to go to work and make money. Now, we can say it's hard. I worked hard all day. Blah, 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 blah. That's just one little aspect of your, of your responsibility as a husband. You're the spiritual leader of the home. You're the spiritual leader of your wife. You are the spiritual leader of your children. And with that responsibility, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? Wives, it goes the same way. Do you want to be good for your husband or do you want to be great? Because you can say, we can say what we, I just, I'm sorry, I just saw two cup to a husband and wife look at each other, it's funny. <laughs> do you want to be great for your husband or do you want to be good? Are you okay with just day in and day out, same routines, nothing changes, we're just kind of there, we're there for our kids, my investment's in my kids, uh, we kind of coexist together, That it, that's not how marriage was intended, that's not how it was created. My wife is a blessing to me, and sometimes I take it for granted, and sometimes I abuse that relationship that we have. Not that I abuse her, but I just expect things because we're in that relationship, or I become complacent with things because, ah, she's there. She's got it. She'll take care of it. That's her role, right? That's her duty. I work all day. She should take care of this. I do these things. She should take care of that. And it isn't long before my spiritual unawareness of what she's going through, of what she's struggling through, that she begins to suffer. And my job, my role as a spiritual leader is failing because I'm not ministering to her. I'm not picking her up when she needs it. I'm not there to provide what I should be providing as a husband because I'm consumed with myself and my own self-ambitions. And so these are all things that we have to be careful of. Do you want to be good or do you want to be great? What about as a father? So there's a lot of children. Do you want to be a good dad or do you want to be a great dad? You know, that's what he said. He said, I hope I hope that was a great dad. You know, it's a scary thing to think that we're raising children in this world, in this society, in the craziness that we're facing. This is the moment more than ever that we need to be great parents. We need to be great fathers. We need to be great mothers. Because if not, our children will 100% suffer the consequences of our selfishness, of our laziness, and our inability to be great and raise our children in the name of the Lord. We can't hope that the school figures it out for them. We can't hope that the teachers up here figure it out for them. We can't hope that the pastor figures it out for them. It is our responsibility. So many times we think that if we can just get them somewhere, if I can just get my kids here, then Brother Randall will tell them what they need to hear 
and they will get right and they will figure it out and they will be good kids. I don't believe that's true because in many of those same people's lives, the pastor's been preaching to you for 15 years, telling you the same thing, and you haven't gotten it right either. And yet you expect your children to have that same change. That doesn't work together. It is your responsibility. Where you lead, your children will follow. If you lead them off a cliff, don't be surprised when they go right off there with you. But so many of us think, if I can just get them here, then those people, because it's their job and their positions and their responsibilities, they will fix it all, and all i got to do is just be present. That's not, that's not being great. That's not even being good. So that's quite another question to ask. Then, last one here. Your walk with the Lord as a child of God and as a member of this church, do you want to be good or do you want to be great? And before you answer that, if you want to be great, what actions, what steps have you been taking to show that you want to be great? Because if I said I wanted to be a great fisherman, like I said earlier, but yet I never practice my rod and real estate in a closet. I get them out every once in a while and the line's all cold up and I never actually do or look or, or participate or, or do anything to prepare for fishing. There is no way I could say I want to be great. There's no way. But instead, you could ask my wife, I drive her crazy with it. I'm watching fishing shows all the time. I'm doing studies. I'm looking at maps. I'm even looking at things for a boat that I don't even have. I don't even own a boat. And I can tell you about all the graphics and how everything works. It's the craziest thing ever. That's why it's so weird. I'll go fishing with Nathan, and Nathan will be looking at stuff on his boat. And he's like, how do you know this? You, don't even, you haven't over-owned one. I was like, because I studied. Because I want to be great. And, of course, he's like, won't you just get a boat? I was like, because I'm poor and I can't afford one. <laughs> I still want to be great, though. (laughs) So many people can probably relate to that right now. (laughs) You know, and that's that's the case. That's how it is. But here we are. Like I said, you're a child of God. You serve the one true king. You serve the creators of the heavens of the earth who gives you everything that you have and will lead you from this day forward. Do you want to be great for him? If so, what are you doing to prove that? Okay, that's where we're going with this. So, next part. I'm going to kind of read, I'm going to read through some of that scripture that we looked at. Let's look at verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? And if the whole hearing would, sorry, and if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? You know, you can imagine if we were all the same body part. If we were all pastors, would none of us get along? We would scripturally argue and debate, and we would get nowhere, and we would waste our time. I think He even talks about the scripture: "Don't waste your time with." Uh, worthless uh, discussion over like theology and this and that because if we were all pastors that's all we do well I think it says this well I think it says that well, I think we should do that that's why you have a small group of spiritual leaders that are called by God to serve in the roles that they serve in you do not have to be a pastor of this church to be a contributing member you don't have to even be a teacher now there are still places that we need teachers but you don't have to be one you 
have to live and look for the calling that is specifically given to you. And here's the deal. It may not be in your strength. It may not be in the area in which you think you should serve because you think that's what you're good at. That's not always the case. I remember, Jeremy may not even remember this. When I was was 15, 16, we had started leading worship over there, contemporary worship. Hayden Hiltz was was the worship leader. Jeremy was playing the guitar. He was like seven. He was a little older than that, but he was young. I was there. Cody was like five singing. But we, we were all young, but we started out, and that's what we were doing. We were, we were part of the worship team. And I wasn't very good, but I played. And as we got older, we started all getting better. I kind of got into my head thinking, hey, I'm, I'm getting pretty good at this. I'm a pretty good drummer. I'm a this. I'm a that. Well, Hayden had his own band, and he started traveling. We started doing church camps and got an opportunity to record uh, a CD, an album, kind of like they first did. And I was brought to my knees in humility more than ever. We did it. We did the recording. I struggled all the way through it, and when it came out, it was the worst sounding thing you could imagine. I sounded completely awful. Uh, it went nowhere. And I remember I remember sitting at the house thinking, what just happened? How, how did this happen? And the Lord started bringing some things into my life going, first off, what was the purpose of your involvement? Was it just to be in a band? Was it just to play drums? Was it just so you could say, look at me, look at what I'm doing? Did you even pray for how God was going to use it? Did you even think about the different avenues, what God could have done through it? No. My focus, my focus was on me being a drummer in a band. We ended up falling apart probably months later. Guys went different ways. Hayden ended up moving. And Jeremy took over uh, as the worship leader. Um, we started playing, and then Jeremy started doing his own band, and he started doing, uh, it was the early, it wasn't, it wasn't Band Reeves at the time, but there was a couple of guys that were playing together, and they were starting a band, and I played a couple of times with them, and I thought, okay, well, second try, second route, we're just going to keep rolling right on through it. Uh, this was right when Eric and I had just gotten married, so was, this was 2012, and Jeremy comes over to the house one night. And uh, he says, hey, I just want to talk to you all. I want to share something with you. And he's like, he's like, you know, I, I know you've been playing drums, and we've been praying about stuff and things that we want to do and direction we want to go. And he goes, I really think the Lord's calling you into ministry, into preaching. And, you know, me saving face at the time was going, yeah, that's, that's good. Back in mind, I'm going, ain't no way I'm a preacher. Ain't, ain't doing that. You'll never get me on stage. And he's telling me this. And uh, he says, we're going to look for someone else, look for a different drummer. And, you know, we, we shook hands. We hugged each other. He left. And you talking about feeling destroyed. At that moment, I felt destroyed. What I thought I was good at, what I thought should be my investment, was quickly brought to my knees. And God reminded me, you're not as good as you think you are. 
You're not who you think you are. I want you to serve where I have called you, not where you think you are called. And it took a long time for me to learn through that, through that experience to learn that I cannot have the focus be about me. I cannot have the focus be about what I think I should be doing. If I'm not doing this, I'm not doing anything else. Because when times go bad, you know, that goes on. I struggle through that. I still am playing drums here at the church. And we end up going to Trace Diaz. Uh, Not something that I necessarily endorse, but we went. Uh, (laughs) Funny story on that. That's also where it was the first time I somewhat interacted with who is now my best friend. And I completely snubbed him because I didn't even know who he was or even knew we were going to the same church. So he'll tell you about that all the time. He's like, yeah, he, he thought he was better than me. Wouldn't even talk to me at church Diaz. We're best friends now. So that was, that was crazy that I did that. But at Trace Diaz, God brought me to my knees again. And, and he brought me to a place where he thought, I'm going to use you in ministry. I'm going to use you in this avenue. And I remember going, God, that's not what I'm good at. That's not what I can do. That's not what I'm great at. That's not what I want to do. And I tried it. Uh, you know, I, sur- I, I surrendered to the ministry. I struggled with it. I struggled with different things, different teaching, different preachings. And before I knew it, I was okay with being right behind that drum set, just playing drums. And that became my norm. That became my everything. That's what I do. Sunday mornings, I show up. I sit behind the drums. No matter what song you're playing, I can figure it out, whatever. And half the time, I wouldn't know the words that are being sung. I couldn't tell you the scripture it came from. And I would just play. And here we are, 15 years later, and God's still tugging on me to do something different with my life in an area where I feel weak. And I'm finally at a place in my life now where I'm listening, I'm trying to be obedient to God, and I'm trying to search after Him and seek Him and let Him lead me in a direction, even though I think I'm not qualified or good enough, lead me in a direction that He wants to use me because it fulfills His purpose, not only in the church, within the ministry in which he is calling me. And I stepped away from it. Some of you may be dealing with that same feeling right now that you feel that God is tugging you in a certain area and you don't want to do it. You're going, mm-mm, because it's not what your strength is. But what you need to understand is where you are weak, he is strong. Where you think you can't be used, God can use you greater and mightier than any other thing possible. If we can simply let go of what we think we should be doing. Of where we think we should be serving. Our, our children's ministry right now doesn't have much. There's not many people who are invested in it. But I know for a fact that there are people here who you have been led by God. You have been called. You have been tugged at. And you're sitting there going, that is not for me. I do not work with kids. I don't do well with kids. I don't like kids. I'm not serving kids. And God's still going, this is where I want to use you. I'm not trying to advertise it. I'm just being serious. I taught high school math for 11 years, and the last thing I thought that I would be a principal at a kindergarten and first grade campus dressed up as the Grinch, dancing in the parking lot as people are dropping their kids off. I would have told you there's no way in the world that would ever happen. And God laughed at me and said, and there I am. You cannot put God in a box and assume that he's going to do everything according to what you think and what you're good at and what fits you. That does not work. And churches that try to operate like that will not survive because they will become a bunch of separated, segregated, 
little sections of a church that's just there to survive until the time it falls apart. Not saying that's here, but that is happening all the way around us because people are more worried about what fits them versus their love and their service to one another in the church body. And so that's what we're going to, that's some of the stuff that we're going to look at here. Okay? Uh, I want to look at a certain scripture. First uh, Thessalonians, do you have it? Is that it? All right. Let me read it here. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do to you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in the holiness before our God and Father in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. We as a church body should want no more, want nothing more than this, that we be directed by God. That we be led by His Spirit. His Spirit is among us within us. If you are a child of God, His Spirit lives within you and should navigate your life. It should navigate your thoughts. It should navigate your decisions. It should navigate your obedience. And it should lead you in the direction that He wants you to go. Not only as a husband, but as a wife, as parents, as a servant of God, and as a member of this church body. He should be the one that directs you. He should direct this church through our leadership. Through our pastor who, who is called, he has a specific responsibility to bring us sound doctrine, to convict us of our ways, and to exhort us and, and direct us in the way that God is leading him. We have a group of deacons that should be obedient in serving this body, which is more than just their presence, more than just their attendance here, but is their service, their, their humility and prayer their love for one another, to know the body, to serve the body, to meet the body's needs, and to make sure that we are spiritually moving in the direction that God wants, not what they want, not what any one man wants, but what the Lord Jesus Christ wants because he is the one that should direct this body. Now, if I was to ask you right now, do you, if I was to ask you, do you feel that God is directing this church? You would have to answer in your head, either yes or no. If it's yes, what direction is he leading the church? Because if we all had different answers, then they were probably all wrong. If God is truly leading a church body, then we should all have the same idea of the direction in which he is leading us. Now, based on the sermons that Big Randall has been preaching, you would think that God, the Lord is speaking to him about discipleship. That's the direction that he's leading us. He wants us to be discipled, which means first he wants people to be saved. How are people saved? Through us as members of this local body, reaching out to the community, evangelizing, planting seeds, sharing the word, and leading those who are lost to the Savior that saved us and gave us the greatest gift the world could ever have. Then through that, we begin to disciple one another as a body. We begin to support one another as a body all the way through. And so these are the things that you have to look at. And so when you think about directing, you answer that question in your head. Is the Lord directing this church? And I, said, if it's, I already said if it's yes. What if it's no? If you feel that the Lord is not directing the church body, why is that? Is the leadership not listening? Or are we not listening to the leadership? Is the leaders having to tug and pull and scratch and beg and yet get nothing done? Is the leadership leading in the wrong direction? Not saying that, I'm not saying that any of this is happening here. These are all questions that I ask myself. If one day I was going to be a pastor and a leader of a church, these are the questions I would ask myself because 
I would never want to be in that role and that responsibility held to that accountability by God and think that I am leading my sheep, the, the sheep that the Lord had put me in charge over, in the wrong direction. Uh, you know, there you've read in Scripture, he leads me by still waters and he leads me through green pastures. And when you think of that, you think of big, beautiful, was it alfalfa or coastal, whatever. You think of big, beautiful green fields, right? There is actually a place overseas in, uh, I don't think it's in Jerusalem, it's outside of Jerusalem. And the name of this place, the name of this place means green pastures. When you look at it, it is nothing but a big, rocky hill. And you go, how is this big, rocky hill called green pastures? Well, when you look... There is actually big boulders that kind of move down through the hill. And it provides shade and it drips moisture from the sun. And grass grows under these big boulders all the way throughout the mountain. The shepherds take these sheep and they lead these sheep through the mountain. And as long as the sheep are obedient and they follow the direction in which the shepherd leads them, they always have green grass. As far as they know, as far as they're concerned, they're always in green pastures and eating green gas, green grass. Now, can you imagine those same sheep and they go, I don't want to follow after him. It ain't long, they're off in the rocky hills with nothing. They can't find their own grass and they perish away. Your pastor, your leader, prays, prays humbly that the Lord leads him so that he can lead his sheep in the way so that we are always moving through green pastures, even though we're surrounded by desert, even though we're surrounded by death, by chaos, by the sin of the world, by the temptations of the devil. If we're obedient to let God direct us and be humbled enough to follow after that direction, we are always moving through green pastures. That, that's a completely different view than what you think of when you read that scripture and think about just plopping it down and going, all right, I'm a Christian now. I'm going to sit right here in my little spot in the green pasture, and I'm going to stay here. Uh, Shepherd, you just say what you want. I'm good. That's the Christianity view right now. As long as I'm there, as long as I am at that place, everything else will take care of itself, and that's all God needs of me. The society around us will tell you that that's not working. It's not working. We have to do something different. Okay? So then I look at this, Okay? So when you're talking about directing our ways, leading our church, in what avenues could the Lord be directing our church body? Well, it could be our service to the community. It could be our service to one another. It could be our ministries. Big Ron asked me and Cody a difficult question Thursday this week. He said, all right, what ministries is our church body currently fully invested in? And we went, hmm. Okay, and then we thought, well, we couldn't say this ministry because we're kind of short there. We couldn't say this ministry because I haven't heard anything about it in months. And then Cody said the prison ministry, and Big Ron said, yeah, that's about a few handful of the men in the church. That's not really a church ministry. And we started thinking, well, what is it? What ministries are thinking, just asking yourself this, as a church member, 5, 10, 15 years, 20 years, however long you've been here, what ministries has God called you within this church body to be a part of? What are you invested in as a part 
of Cedar Creek Missionary Baptist Church? What are you invested in? And if it's nothing, if you can, and you know, sometimes you have to say, sometimes you have to be honest with yourself and go, I ain't invested in nothing. Okay? That, that's okay. What are you willing to invest in? Where is your heart? Is your heart for children? Is your heart for widows? Is your heart for the elderly? Is your heart for a certain group of people? Because all of these things, all of these things can be accomplished through you. You can do anything there is if you let the Lord direct you. You can meet any need there is if you let the Lord direct you. One of the ministries that we're, we've been presenting that is fixing to get kind of presented to the church as a whole is called Fathers in the Field. Fathers in the Field is a ministry that is meant to minister to fatherless young boys from ages 7 to 17. And this is going to be something that you're going to have an opportunity possibly to be involved in. And some of you might think, I don't want to do that. What if I get a boy that I don't necessarily like? What if I get a boy? I'm a hunting and fishing guy. What if I get a boy that only likes to play video games? I don't have to work with him. I don't have to help him. We won't get along. We won't be able to do anything. We'll be bored. And I, See how fast your mind can talk you out of, out of serving somebody because it doesn't fit your skill set. You could easily go, three-year commitment? I don't have the time for that. I, I can't do a three-year three commitment. I watch seven hours of TV a day or I do this all day, but I can't commit three years to a kid even though it's only once a month, even though it's only for a few hours a month, I can't do that because I'm too busy. Yeah, on Facebook a little bit later, your tail's sitting at the beach doing absolutely nothing. There's all kinds of issues. We can make excuses for why we are not invested, but it all comes down to the heart. Are you here in obedience to God to serve each other and to serve those in the community as you're called to do, or is it simply just about you? Those are, the, those are the things that I ask myself. Because if I'm, going, if I'm going to be invested in fathers in the field, I have to understand one Sunday a month, I'm going to be, I'm going to be or two Sundays a month, I'm going to be investing in this kid's life. I'm going to make sure this kid gets to church. I'm going to speak life to this kid. I'm going to love this kid. I'm going to show this kid something that he would never experience at home because he has no dad because his dad abandoned him and left him. And he has a need, and I have the wealth and the blessings and the great gifts of God that I can use to serve this boy and give this boy an opportunity to experience life that he would otherwise never even see partial experience of. You have that opportunity. The question is whether or not you are going to commit to that service. The prison ministry. Big Randall asks all the time, if you want to be involved, this is what you do. This is how you sign up. Now, it's, diff- it's been difficult for me. I've been trying to sign up for two years, but I think because me and him have the same name, I screwed up, and then something else messed up, and they changed units, so I'm still working on that. But that's, you know, that's their ministry that they are completely loved and devoted to. Yesterday, they went to two different units and preached and played and, and shared the word at them, and they invite anybody who wants to come. But so not very many people have joined. Over the last couple of years they've been doing it, not many people want to go. Why is that? I'm too busy. I don't necessarily care about the prisoners, even though the only difference between me and them is I have the love of Christ and I've been saved and they made some mistakes that cost them that could just as easily cost me. Same things. Where do you want to fit? It all goes back to do I want my ministry to fit me, my needs, and my skills or am I willing to step out of my comfort zone enough to love someone else and to lift them up as God has called me to do? Question, Question I ask myself there. Next one. Okay, 
You know, reading that verse, it says, may we increase our love for one another. How are we showing that love? Who can, who can we love? Who we, how can we love someone who we do not know? You know, I remember this church, this specific church body, when we were young, when we were first kind of, I wouldn't say starting out, but after the rebuilding process, we were a small group of people. There was about 40 of us and 50 of us. And we kind of did everything together. We kind of moved like one big huddle. So we did this ministry together. We did this. We did that. And we we just kind of, it was all one thing. Then the church began to grow. The word began to move out. People began, more people became saved. More people became became members of the church. And it grew to what you are seeing here now. Uh, If you look at the actual membership, there's probably 200 members of the church body. And so now we're, we're spread out. And we don't have the same relationships that we used to have. When I was in high school, Tracy Tippin was my was my youth leader, was my my leader. She was mine and Erica's rock and, and foundation. We could go to her about anything. We could reach out and talk to her about any struggles that we had. You talking about somebody that would take kids to church camp and would give a sale out? She is a quiet, calm person until church camp, and all of a sudden she turns into this fun monster that freaks you out, and it was awesome. And that, that was the thing. That was the different things I experienced. But then the church kind of grew, and it got to the point where it was big, and it just kind of seemed like things got separated. People are in different things. You may It may feel like that there's different groups or different cliques or different classes, and, and you kind of get that feeling. But what I've realized is we are blessed to have the people that we have in this church. We just have to work together to figure out how can we continue to use and be used by God If 50 can grow to 200, what can 200 grow to if we're truly seeking the calling of the Lord in our lives? What are we capable of if we would truly put ourselves aside and focus on where God is leading us? I think we're capable of some amazing things. I just think that we just have to get to the point where we go, I'm willing to invest. I'm willing to take that step. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Okay. Next, go to that. You have our next verse, Miss Christy? So when we start, when I start talking about this, you know, our church, we want our church body to be strong. We want our church to be unified. We want our church to seek after the direction of the Lord. Where does it start? Well, it first starts with us becoming, being together, unified with one direction, with one goal. Right now, that goal should be our obedience to the Lord, our service to Him. We've been focused on discipleship, ministering to those, leading people to salvation, growing the body, and, and ministering the people that we have here already. Okay, where does that start? I believe that starts in prayer more than anything. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. More, this, this is the time more than ever to be on our knees praying to the Lord. Making our requests known. Husbands, continuously praying for your wives, for your marriage, for your children, for your family. Satan is going to come against you. Satan is going to attack. Satan is going to do whatever it takes to try to bring you down. And prayer is the most powerful tool that you have. Not only prayer from just you, but prayer from the body in which you serve together. 
Someone was talking about this morning that he has a, him and his wife have a personal struggle. They have something that they are battling through together, but yet they've been just them praying about it. And he said, God brought them to a point where he thought, if I truly want to see God move in this area, then I need more than just me praying about it. I need, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need my church body to be praying for me because if we as a group are lifting this up together, I know that God will move and I know God that will, will answer that prayer. That, that is right. That is how it should be. If any one member of the body is struggling, if any one member is in need, it is our responsibility as the remaining church body to pray for them, to exalt them, to lift them up, and to do what it takes to bring them to that point in which they are seeking because that is showing love, and that is loving them as Christ has loved us, as we are called to do as a church body. So many of you have needs right now, and you have needs that you are keeping to yourself, maybe because you don't want people to know, because maybe you think it's bad, or maybe you think it's not worthy of prayer, but if you would just reach out to a brother, let them know your struggles, confide in them, let them pray for you, let them love on you, let them help you, you will see God move in that area. No doubt, you will see God move. Uh, And then the rest of that verse, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Uh, skip down to the next one. I'm running out of time here. Is this Philippians 2? All right. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You want to see a church body be stronger than ever? You want to see a church body go and do things that are unbelievable that other churches look at and go, how is that possible? It's you putting yourself aside long enough to love one another, to serve one another, to lift each other up, and to exalt and to build and to work and serve side by side with another brother, another sister in Christ of this church body. You will see great things. We're talking about VBS. I think about different people in the church and the different gifts they have. You want to talk about different body parts. Miss Christy McClellan is an individual who is absolutely 100% sold out to loving on those kids in BBS. That is her. That is her. She has more callings, but as far as a specific calling that she has, it is that right there. That woman spends hours upon hours praying, hours upon hours preparing, planning, looking at the curriculum, making sure it's the scripture that our kids need to hear, making sure it's going to impact their lives, making sure there's opportunity for their parents to be reached. And all she asks, all she asks is for us as the church body to love these kids enough, to love God enough, and to love one another enough, and our, each other's children enough to be obedient, to serve in any way possible. You don't have to come to VBS to be a teacher. I've been all kind of things. I've ran sound in VBS. I've had to do that silly skit in VBS. I have taught in VBS. I have preached in VBS. I have done different things. It's, it's not about, I can only do this. It's like, wherever you can put me, put me. Because I want to serve and I want to love on these kids. Because they need to see, these kids need to see adults. They need to see husbands, wives, fathers, and mothers. They need to see that you love not only God enough, but do you love them enough to invest in their lives and do whatever it takes to bring them to the point of salvation. That's what they need to see. That's my VBS plug. (laughs) 
And then the last, we'll, we'll skip down to the last one. You got a mark for me? Actually, skip mark. Go to Ephesians. Well, I'm going to end up with Ephesians here. We'll finish up here. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. That is what we believe. I believe that I serve one God. I believe that I serve one King. I believe that He is not only the Savior, but He is the Lord of my life. He is my protector. He is my rock. He is my foundation. He is everything that I will ever need. And if I want to be great for Him, then I need to be great in serving and loving my church body, which is you you guys right here. For those of you that may not be a part of a body, I'll tell you right now, there's nothing greater than being a part of a group of people who have a, who have one accord, one focus on one goal, and working together and striving to meet that goal. There's nothing like it. You look at it in any other aspects in the world. You look at military groups. You look at specific teams. I don't know if any of you saw the video of Oklahoma uh, University softball team won national championship, right? And they had three girls, three girls that got interviewed. I don't know. I believe it was God's intervention. I don't know how much the coach had invested in it. And all three of those girls, all three of them, in a world that hates God, in a world that is all against God, all three of those girls gave glory to Jesus, gave their lives, said that their life and their purpose and their involvement in the program and in the games and what they did was to glorify and exalt the name of Jesus. And those girls won the national championship. Because they were committed and focused to one specific goal, and that goal was honoring and glorifying the one true God that they serve. We should have that same specific goal. We should be working together so that there is a platform. Whatever that platform is, we have a platform to where Cedar Creek Missionary Baptist Church is exalting and lifting up the name of Jesus and showing the world that our God is real, that our God does exist, that our God is the Almighty God, and they're seeing it through not only our love for one another, but our service together as a body. That's what I want to know. And where it starts, I'll finish with this, you know. The day that you were saved... The day that you gave your life to Christ, you were an individual. You were somebody who came to the realization that you were a sinner, that you had made mistakes. We've all made mistakes. Many of us refuse to take specific roles and refuse to take specific callings in our life because we still think we're unworthy because of our sin. We still think we're unworthy because we still make mistakes. But when you were saved, the day you were saved, you came to a realization. You're like, God, I can't do this on my own. You know, I, I remember being a part. I remember being to a point where I had heard so many sermons, and I had become numb to it until God brought me to a place where I realized, no matter how good I think I am, no matter how skillful I think I am, no matter what I think I can do, I am nothing without the Lord. I am a sinful failure in comparison to the glory that God demands. But I realized 100% through my studies 
and through my faith, my faith in the power of Jesus, I believe that if I put my trust in him, that I claimed him and believed on him as my Lord and Savior, that he would save me. And through my salvation, he leads me to repentance. He leads me to change. He leads me to turn away from the things that are holding me back. And he continues to lead me today into an area, a world, a direction that I'm not sure of. If I was a sheep on that mountain looking around, if I focused on the mountain, I would think there's no grass here and he's leading me to my death. Or I could trust his direction. I could trust his spirit. I could trust him as my shepherd. And he will always lead me through green pastures. The choice that we have to make is are we obedient and willing enough? Do we love our God enough to love each other? And do we love each other enough to serve each other? Because if we do, we will do great and mighty things, and we will be great for the Lord. Uh, If you will, stand.